Hey, Excel. At this point, you've probably already heard about our big event coming up June 30th, our National Give Day. Uh, for those of you who are late to this or not sure what I'm talking about, on June 30th, uh, we, along with other youth along the Assemblies of God, are coming together to give one day towards missions. June 30th is going to be a Tuesday. We're going to be giving online. And throughout this time, between now and then, we're coming up with different ideas, different ways to collect that money and be able to provide for our missionaries that are still all across the world preaching the gospel. Particularly, there's a bunch of projects that are being funded through Speed the Light. One of them in Illinois is clean water wells. And so we're providing clean water for places and, and parts of the world that don't have any clean water. And again, what those projects are and, and what missions is, is important. But I want to get to the heart of why we're giving. Uh, and that's what I kind of want to talk to you guys about tonight. Uh, because I never want you to give just to give. I never wanted, I don't need your money. I don't want your money. Uh, but it's about teaching you to have a heart of generosity. Excel has a history of being generous. I think uh, we as Chicagoans are generous people. And in particular, I think Excel has that uh, history. And, and for me, I look back maybe 15 years now. And uh, there was this moment I had at the time I was just a volunteer leader. So this is before I was the youth pastor. And I was I think in my first year of college. And I had been up all night writing a paper. And I know a lot of you, especially my procrastinators out there, you know what it's like to, to stay up all night, you know, pumping on caffeine, knocking out the paper, even though you probably had months to do it in advance, for whatever reason, it just comes out better the night before. And so I'm up all night working on this paper, kind of freaking out because I'm really pushing it close. And I managed to knock out this really big paper just in time to like shower and go to school in the morning. And so I'm getting ready. I got all my stuff situated. The paper's finally done. I'm getting ready to go to my morning class. I walk outside. And as I'm walking to my car, I smell something kind of funny in the air. And I start to look around. I start to wonder, what is that? And as I get closer to my car, I realize it's my car making that funny smell. And that smell was burnt rubber. See, in the middle of the night, somebody set my car on fire and it was literally melted to the ground. I mean, it was bananas. I remember standing there in shock, looking at it. Some dude rode up in his bicycle, looked at the car, looked at me, and then just goes, wow, what did you do to her, man? And I'm like, I, it's not, I don't know who did it. I didn't, I don't have an angry ex-girlfriend or I didn't hurt nobody. I, I have no idea. Matter of fact, I think just a few years ago, I think we pieced it together in the neighborhood. Uh, <clears throat> rumor has it, it was this woman whose husband cheated on her with another dude and it got weird. And uh, my car was a very common car. And I think she believed she was setting her ex-husband's car on fire and really it was my car. Uh, but why it happened, it's irrelevant. The point is, I remember not being all that upset. I mean, I was bummed about it. But I remember thinking, well, God, I prayed every day for you to give me this car so that I can pick up teenagers and bring them to Excel. That was my heart. And so I remember just thinking, well, Lord, you're just going to have to get me another car because I still am about trying to get people to know you. And I went in and, and my family cried and they were all upset. And it just so happened uh, Excel was coming up that night and I, I talked to my pastor about it already. And he kind of laughed at the whole situation just because it was so wild. And we're in Excel and... Uh, and he uses it as a sermon illustration. And he's just talking about the peace of God. And he's kind of laughing like, bro, they set Joey's car on fire. And all the kids are kind of laughing. And, and I'm not even mad. I'm like, yeah, man, it's, it's crazy. 
and uh, and he told the whole story and he just talked about you know but i want you to notice how joey is handling it and, and the maturity and all that stuff and i was real grateful that god was able to use my story and turn it into something good but the best part was after service there was a group of the youth at that time who came up to me and they presented me with an envelope and they had took up an offering among all the teenagers totally on their own totally by themselves and it was like just over a hundred something bucks and I remember thinking, well, it's not like I'm going to buy a car with this, but I was so overwhelmed that they thought of me enough and they loved me enough to say, we want to help you. And I'll tell you this, I never used that money. I kept it in the little envelope they gave me and I, and I put it on my shelf and I left it as a reminder of God's grace in giving. Excel, like, so I think we have a responsibility to carry on the tradition of generosity that we have in our ministry. To raise up people who understands what it means to be generous. That giving is more than just throwing away money. That giving is more than just, you know, taking a picture. And again, you know, you see it a lot now on social media. People can't do something generous without recording it and putting it up for likes and all that type of stuff. No, no. Giving is about having a heart for God and about having a heart like God. And it's the grace that God gives us in order so that we can be givers. And so I want to talk to you about that tonight. And I want to use an example that we find in Scripture. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 through 5, I'm reading in the NIV translation, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 through 5. It says, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. So right now he's talking to the church in Corinth, and he's using the Macedonian churches as an example of giving grace. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Again, let me just set this up for you because I think this is amazing. He's saying, listen, the Macedonian church, they're going through some stuff. They're in the midst of a very severe trial. Guys, I don't know if you noticed, but we've been in the midst of a very severe trial for some time. 2020 has been a severe trial after severe trial, just one thing after another, slam after slam. You know, recently with the pandemic that we are still currently in, and then all the things that have gone on with the death of George Floyd and race relations, we are in going through as believers some very, very severe trials. And then he goes on to say that in the midst of their extreme poverty, Okay, it's one thing to be impoverished, but when you say extreme poverty, you're taking it to a whole nother level. It's important to understand, by the very nature of you living in the United States, none of you have ever experienced extreme poverty. You might have been poor. You might have been, you know, working on government stuff. You might have, you know, had to scrape some things together and eat some, you know, you know little piece of sandwich, hot dog bread. We couldn't afford the buns, right? We had the sandwich bread and... You know, there's all these things that we laugh about now looking back. So oh, we were we were broke going up, but we made ends meet. Extreme poverty is days without eating and not knowing if you're going to. Extreme poverty is having to make a decision of maybe or not I should sell my children in order to feed the rest of my kids. Like that's extreme poverty. Extreme poverty means you're doing extreme things to survive. The Bible says that this Macedonian church was not only going through a very severe trial, but they were in the midst of extreme poverty. And yet in that situation, welled up generosity. See, generosity isn't about giving from the excess. It's about giving from your heart. It says, for I testify. Okay, Paul's saying, I'm vouching for them. 
that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service of the Lord's people. Again, I love what these verses are saying. It's saying uh, that they gave as much as they could. And, and hear my heart. When we talk about June 30th, I'm not, I'm not saying, hey, I know you're going through a tough time. Your family might be going through a tough time. You know, they may have been out of work. They're, they're trying to figure out how to end me. And I don't want to be unsympathetic. But are you willing to give what you can and trust God to go beyond that? See, they were able to give what they were able to. And the Bible says, and beyond their ability. God took it beyond their ability. So maybe you're only able to give $20. But I believe if you trust God with those $20, God will give you the ability to give over that. Okay? This is what it means to have faith in giving. God will give you the grace to give if you are willing to take that step. And again, I love that entirely on their own. They begged for the opportunity to give. I'm wondering if maybe Paul's having this conversation. I'm wondering if, if they're talking to the leaders and they're saying, hey, we want to give to this cause. And, and the leaders are going, wait, wait, wait. Did you forget that you're in the midst of severe trial, that, that you're broke, that you don't have anything to give? And they begged for the opportunity and the privilege. And I think that's an important word, the privilege to give. Listen, what we're asking you to do is not a favor to us. It is a privilege that God has given you. See, you have more than enough to give. You are, again, by the very nature of where we live, privileged. And you hear this a lot, check your privilege, check your privilege. And oftentimes it's it's pointed toward races. But again, if we're talking to people who are going through extreme poverty in the world, we are privileged. And we have this privilege by the very nature of where we live, but even more by the relationship we have in Christ, we have the privilege of being able to give. It says that they had the privilege of sharing in the Lord's people and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. This is a really important thing for you and I to start to glean from. And I love that last part where he says, they gave themselves first to the Lord. Listen, you can't give your money to God's purposes if you haven't given your heart. You see, it's easy to, to give things away, but it's not with the intention of what God wants. God wants your heart before your money because God knows if he has your heart, he has your money, he has your time, he has your effort, he has your purpose, he has your future, he has everything when we give God ourselves. And so here's the deal, because generosity, if I can be really honest, it's not an option when you have given your heart to God. We are obligated by the very nature of our relationship with him to be generous because he is generous. You, you can't give yourself to God and be greedy. You can't give yourself to God, see somebody struggling and not be willing to help. You can't give yourself to God and know that there are millions and millions of people around the world who have never even heard the name of Jesus Christ and say, yeah, but I'd rather keep the 20 bucks. When you've given yourself to God, you've given yourself to all your purses or all your purposes have been given over to him. And ironically, that means your purse too. I want to talk about giving grace. If we can go a little bit further in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6-7, through 7, he goes on to say, So we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. This church that he's talking to, the Corinthian church, 
they started well. This is something that they had. They they had a heart of generosity, just like Excel has had a heart of generosity. But he's saying, listen, it's not how you start, it's that you finish. And I love what it says because it's important to you and I. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. Excel, you're great at a lot of things. I mean, we, we have such talented people. We have such anointed people. We have such gifted people. I mean, you're so great at serving. We, we, our services are phenomenal. You know, our, our worship team is great. Our, our, our people are great. Uh, everything that you do, you do with excellence. And, and I'm so proud of being able to be a part of that. But we also have to excel in giving. This convicted me many years ago, and it's it's when I really started to try to push Speed the Light and missions. It's not just because of that, although I strongly believe in that, but it's because I felt that I had a responsibility before God and before you to raise up a generation that's generous, to raise up a generation that is willing to give themselves and to give generously. It was behind that that I said speed the light and giving to missions is going to be the avenue and the vehicle that we use to teach generosity in this generation. And so allow me to instill that in you. Allow me to help you to understand and to become people who are generous like God is generous. And if we're going to do that, I want you to understand just a few things when it comes to giving generously. In order to have the grace of giving, number one, you have to understand that giving is a result of the work that God has done in your heart. Giving happens because of what God does in your heart, because of the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart. When God has transformed your life, when you begin to really appreciate and understand and recognize the work that the Holy Spirit has done in your heart, then there's no problem. I want you to imagine for a moment. That Jesus Christ himself in, in physical form is standing before you and he says, hey, listen, would you be willing to give me 50 bucks so that I can give my servant an opportunity to go somewhere else and tell someone about me so that they can get saved? If we're honest, who among us would tell Jesus, ah, it, the new PS5 is coming out and I'm kind of saving up, God. And, I mean, do you really need it now? Can, can we work on this later? Again, I think if Jesus Christ was physically standing before us, none of us would have the boldness to say no to his face. But when the Holy Spirit is prompting you right now, even as I speak, if he's nudging at your heart and he's beginning to tap on it and say, hey, listen, I want you to give generously in this area. Why would you deny that when you know that's God speaking too? Why does he have to physically come before you in order to assuage your faith? Why don't you have enough faith to trust that God wants people to know who he is and that giving to missions is one of the most important ways that we do that. First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 14 says, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. The author of Chronicles understands that everything I have has come from God. That whatever God asks for me, it's not God asking me to give something from me. It's him saying, give me something back that I've already given you. The clothes on your back, the bed that you sleep on, the money that you use, the things in your possession are only there because of the grace of God. So when God says, hey, now I want you to give that away, who are you and I that we would say no to him? 
Now, again, I'm not trying to, to guilt trip you because I don't think that's the way God operates because it's important to understand that if you're going to have giving grace, we give generously, and this is point number two if you're taking notes, we give generously because we want to give. That's important. Because if I'm just twisting your arm and you give just because you've gotten guilt tripped or you gave because you followed the hype of everybody else doing it, then you don't get any credit points in heaven for that. We have to give because we want to give. Think about it like this. Imagine, and I'm sure those of you who have siblings, uh, this is happening to you a time or two, where maybe you ask your brother, your sister, you're laying on the couch watching TV, they get up and you go, hey, can you bring me back a cup of water? And in response, they kind of give you a little attitude, right? They're like, ugh. I mean, I'm not even going to go to the kitchen or go to the bathroom or da 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 And they start coming up with all these reasons. And automatically, you get mad, right? You're like, you know what? I don't even want the cup of water. As a matter of fact, I'm going to remember that, right? I'm going to remember that. Next time you want anything, I'm not going to. You could be dying of thirst, and I won't give you a drop. I'll remember. Because all those times, I got you water, right? I didn't give you attitude. I didn't say, no, no, no. I don't even want the water. Go for it. It's okay. I'll get it myself. I'll get it myself. Right? Why? Because if you're going to give me attitude, then don't do me the favor. If you're going to do something for me, do it because you love me. Do it because it's the right thing to do because it's not going to cost you that much. Like, all I wanted was a cup of water. Now, let's take that scenario to the next step. We talked about in the state of Illinois, we're trying to, to give towards a project in WaterServe where uh, we're providing clean water for parts of the world where there is no clean water. I'm not talking about in their house. I'm talking about for miles. They have to walk for miles to get water and not even clean water. Water that is filled with disease and pesticides that wild animals bathe in and you know defecate in. And it's the only source of water they have. And we're partnering with these organizations to dig wells and provide clean running water for them. There's literally somebody on the other side of the planet saying, hey, would you give me a cup of water? And you're saying... It's just a lot of work to ask people for money. Listen, I'm not trying to guilt trip you. But if you're going to do this, don't do it for the likes. Don't do it because Pastor Joey made you feel bad or because he gave you a sad story of somebody on the other side of the planet asking for water. You should want to do that because it's just the right thing to do. You should want to do that because you're capable of doing that. And you should want to do that because it's what God wants you to do. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. You must each decide in your own heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Again, God doesn't need your money. God can provide it in a number of other ways. He is giving you an opportunity to have a privilege of giving. And so when you give, when you do these projects, my prayer, my hope is that there's this desire, almost this excitement of saying, man, I can't wait to do this. I, I so desperately want to do this. I, I'm excited to partner in this because of the desire that God has placed in my heart. And the last thing is this, when it comes to giving grace, we give expecting nothing in return. Anybody can do something when they feel like they're going to get something out of it. And we need to be careful with that. And we've all come across people that are like that, right? People that only like you when you can do something for them. People that are only nice to you because of what you have or who you are. We've all done that, right? Like you're all buddy-buddy with the one friend who has a car because you want to ride home. 
you're all buddy buddy with the one kid on the block who's got a basketball because everybody's trying to hoop and you don't got a ball but he got a ball and when he or she gets mad they walk away and take their ball and you don't like them again but those aren't good friendships those aren't great relationships and a matter of fact when we feel like somebody's using us just so they can get something out of us we turned off by that when you give give not expecting god to do anything in return and sometimes we, you know even preachers, we can uh, misconstrue that and paint it in the wrong way and say, listen, if you give, God will open up the floodgates and pour out such a blessing that you won't be able to contain it. And that's true scripturally. That's not why we give, right? Yes, God will take care of you. Yes, God will bless you. Yes, it's true that we can never outgive God. And I know that. That's not why I give. I give because I love God. Uh, even if I don't get anything back from it, even if I don't uh, receive anything in return. Listen, Luke chapter 6, verse 34 and 35. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get any credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For He is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. Give because you have a heart to give. You know how, how great it feels when, when somebody does something for you and you're like, oh, I, let me pay you back. And you're like, you know, don't worry about it, man. It's cool. Immediately, and I don't know about you, but for me, immediately, when somebody does, does something like that for me, right? When they do me a solid or, or they help me out and, and they give me something and, and I'm like, well, let me, let me pay you back. Like, no, no, don't worry about it. My instant reaction is, okay, I'm not going to steal his blessing. I'm not going to do it, but I got to give it to somebody then. I got to pass it on. Generosity begets generosity and, and it begins to well up this attitude of passing on that giving grace that God has given us. I want to end with um, a story that, that's changed my life when it comes to giving. And uh, some of you might have heard this story before, but uh, for those who haven't, this is just part of why I believe my family will always be generous. Uh, when I just got engaged with my wife, uh, the church gave us a pretty substantial raise, uh, probably because, you know, for a long time I was just a single pastor and they paid me like a single pastor. And now that I was getting married, I felt that they decided to, you know, lift that up. And so it was the biggest raise I had ever gotten up, quite honestly. And coming up to that point, this was uh, around, around December, um, pastor was preaching and we were talking about the a building fund we were putting together to put together 6058, which is where we have our youth and our children's facility. And that whole building is just a few years old. And uh, this was right in the beginning of raising money to do that project. And Pastor talked about in the Old Testament when they were building God's temple, how it was the leadership that were the first to give. And the Holy Spirit just you know, struck me in my heart in that moment. And he spoke to me and said, give back the raise and put it towards the building fund. Now that money had already earmarked for our honeymoon. It's it's really what I had left at the time. Cicely was getting her master's degree. I was the only one working. Uh, neither of our families really had a lot of money. And so the wedding was primarily going to be on my salary. And that extra money was my honeymoon. And so I remember thinking, but if I give that, then I won't be able to afford a honeymoon. And so I went to talk to Cicely and hope that maybe she'll talk me out of it. But, you know, like the woman she is, she just trusted me and said, if that's what God spoke to you, then I'm in. So I did it and I gave that money back. And matter of fact, they started taking money out of my check because they had already given me the raise and that hurt a little bit. 
And I remember just thinking, well, that's just, okay, no honeymoon, right? That's the sacrifice I'm willing to make because I want to trust God. A couple weeks later, somebody uh, put a check in the envelope for 50 bucks. And it was uh, said to Pastor Joey for his honeymoon. And I remember thinking, well, obviously we're not going to go anywhere on our honeymoon for 50 bucks. But I was just reminded that I didn't even ask God about the honeymoon. I just assumed because I didn't have the money that I couldn't do it. That God had taken my honeymoon money and wasn't going to, you know, help me out. And I remember just telling my wife or, or Cicely at the time, my fiance, maybe God is telling us to hold out a little bit. That that maybe he's going to open up a door for our honeymoon. And so we just said, okay, we'll just leave the door open. If God somehow provides the money or provides an opportunity, then we'll go ahead and do it. And so for months we were like looking at Groupon and trying to find deals and we're really close a few times to just hitting a button and saying, anyway, let's just try that. And and we just decided we're going to wait, we're going to wait. I don't feel like that's God. I don't feel like that's God. Flash forward uh, into late spring and uh, our district council, which is a meeting that our fellowship has, uh, invited a pretty prominent pastor from New York and by the name of Jim Cimbala. Uh, I have a couple of his books. His choir has like eight Grammys. Uh, uh, they're a phenomenal church and he's a phenomenal man, legend among pastors. And I had the privilege of being his escort, of picking him up from his hotel and driving him down. And honestly, I was a little nervous, but I was also excited to meet him. And so I think this is the second time I met him, but the first time, I just don't think he would remember me. And so, you know, I'm in the car and we're just doing small talk. And he asked, you know, finds out we're engaged and asked about our honeymoon. And I tell him what happened, you know, that we were not sure if we can afford one, but we're trusting God. And he says, you know what? I have a hookup on a great resort in Bermuda. It's the best one on the island. You know, last time I was there, I was in the buffet line behind a few movie stars. If you want, I can call my guy up and see if he can hook you up. And I'm like, yeah, dude, call him up, right? Thinking maybe he's just being nice and just talking, but, you know, I'll take my shot. So I give him my info. And a few weeks later, uh, I get a call from a guy in Bermuda. And he says, hey, I spoke with Pastor Simbola, which already I'm shocked that, wow, he actually, he took time to put this together, this Elisa's phone call. And the guy says, well, what can you afford? And I said, well, honestly, this is all I have. Like, if I'm really squeezing, this is all I have. And if all that could give me is like an afternoon at the resort, great. And if honestly, if, it, if it's just not enough, then that's totally fine. Please don't feel like, you know, anything bad about it. He goes, all right, well, let me let me work with that. Let me make a few calls and I'll see what we can do. And then some weeks pass by and we're like a month away from my wedding, maybe just a few weeks. And I'm really nervous and I don't want to call this guy because I don't want to bug him. But finally, he calls me up. He says, OK, if you can cover your max, then what we'll do is Monday through Friday, breakfast, lunch and dinner included. If you can cover your max, we'll pay for anything above and beyond that. And I'm thinking, wow. Are you serious? Like that's that's just unbelievable. But then I start to freak out because I realize my max was my max. Like that's all the money I have left. How am I going to afford to fly me and my wife to Bermuda? And before I can say anything, as I'm thinking and trying to figure out who I can ask for more money, he goes, oh, I almost forgot that Pastor Simbola mentioned he personally wants to pay for you and your wife's airfare to fly to Bermuda. And literally about a week later, I get a personalized check from Pastor Jim Simla for $1,000 for my wife and I to fly and spend five days on a luxury resort with a private beach, five or six private restaurants. I'm telling you, breakfast alone every day for my wife and I was around $90. I told my wife, enjoy this place. We will never be able to come back here again. 
It was ridiculous. And I remember that night, the first night of our honeymoon, we're going through the gifts uh, that everyone had given us at the wedding and we're counting all the money and we're writing down who gave what so we can write our thank you letters and, and we're adding things up and you wouldn't believe this, but we actually made money on the wedding, right? We didn't lose money. We came out with more money than we went into it with on top of the fact that we had a an almost completely paid for honeymoon. And I looked at my wife as we were going through all that and we both began to cry. And we said, we will never not put God first in this family. It is impossible to outgive God. You have to be willing to be generous just because it's what God calls us to do. And because of the way it impacts those who are the receiving end of your generosity. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 10 through 13. Here's my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some equality. At the beginning of the year, you guys got together as a ministry and you began to pray and ask God to give you a number to give. If we're honest, you probably forgot that number. But I don't forget the total, which was just over $20,000. We started strong. And it can be easy to say, but now there's a pandemic and now there's all this stuff going on around the world and, and there are things that are more important. And I beg to differ. I don't think with you know, all due respect to all the situations that are going on right now, that there is anything that is more important than somebody's soul, than for people to have the right to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. That God has called us to finish what we started Excel. You've already excelled in everything else. Now excel in generosity. So let me pray as God begins to help us do what we need to do to collect the funds so that on June 30th we can give towards missions, and towards God, what God has called us to give. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord. God, I thank you for this group of people. I love them with all my heart, and Lord, and you know the passion and desire I've had for Excel for these past 20 years. God, we have a history of being generous, but Lord, I pray that that's also the present and future. I pray for these young people, God, that you would give them unconventional ideas to accomplish unconventional goals. God, I pray that there would be a generation of young people who don't look at why they can't, but look at why you can. That you would spring it up in their hearts, God, and that they would be emboldened and passionate by doing this. So, Lord, I just pray that you would give them a heart of generosity, that you would provide beyond their ability, God, and that you will show them what it is, God, that they would have the same experience my wife and I had when we gave everything we had to be generous and we saw you give so much more in return. God, we thank you because we know that we're not doing it for what you give us, because we know we're not obligated, because we want to have your heart and do this by your spirit. So, Father, we pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. I love you guys, and I can't wait to see what God does through us on June 30th. Let's see you get a part of that. God bless.